0: i am excited you know about sharing with you guys um excited about coming to you and uh, delivering the scripture today as the scripture has been read we're reading and we've been looking at or we're looking at acts chapter 2 today and we're going to be looking at 37 to 47 and so just really excited about that you know, obviously, and for those of you who've been around Blueprint for some time, where you already know that New Year's is probably one of my favorite times of the year. It is my favorite holiday. You know, my kids don't understand why, but it is my favorite holiday. It's the holiday that we get to celebrate new beginnings. It's the holiday that we get a chance to to start over, to start fresh, to to do things. For those of you who have been struggling, it seems like it's kind of like we get like, you know, the things that used to have you know, with the, you know, the, the turning things, you get to shake it up and start all over again. What are those called? Etch yeah. a sketch. Yeah. It's like those extra sketch. That's kind of the image that I have is that etch a sketch, you know, that you're doing. And it's like, oh, the new year starts. I get to shake it up and then like start over. We got a blank slate in 2021. But for those are 2023, for those of you who who things are going well. Those of are going well, it's like this is an opportunity for us to just pray that the Lord will continue to, to be present with us in that. And so uh, is this one of those years, it's one of those times of the season that we get a chance to reflect, you know, that we have? I don't know how many of you guys um, in here, because I know, like, do have, like, New Year's resolutions. Is there anybody in here? I know, like, that's not a good thing nowadays. Like, people, I don't do resolutions, you know, and. But, you know, and our family don't do resolutions, but I do feel like um, it is a thing that we get a chance. We do a thing called words, right? Because during this season, this is a season that we get a chance to reflect personally. My, my wife and I, we get, a, we get away every time and we spend a couple of, um, an hour or going a to walk together and just talk about the past year. We get a time to reflect as a family. You know, we talk about the Lewis Eight, you know, and then all of us get a chance to kind of reflect and think about what God has been. And we also get a time to, to celebrate every New Year's what's going on at the Life of Blueprint Church. Um, the reason why I like that is because I mean, we are actually celebrating 13 years of existence, you know, as a church. Amen. I, I thought i like a little more than that. Amen. But, no, I mean, it just, and it is, it's just the time to celebrate and to be reminded that God is faithful even when we're faithless. He is, he is, it's a reminder that He is a God of new beginnings. He is a God of first and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and to infinity chances. Is that we, as much as we mess up and as much as we get into the way of doing God's will, like New Year's Day is a, is a, is a reminder of His grace towards us, His mercies towards us, that we get a chance to be reminded that He is good you know, um, all the time. And so we're really excited about, I'm excited about New Year's, I'm excited about 2023. And you know, and every seven years, we get a chance to celebrate New Year's Day on Sunday. You know, and so today is a Sunday, we're celebrating New Year's Day, and we're gonna be, and we're kicking off a series. But with this, you know, with kind of New Year's comes a tradition. I don't really know if my family likes it or not, but it's something that I make words. And we do words. So it's not a resolution, but it's a word and it's a word that is supposed to characterize kind of what we're hoping for, what we're aspiring, what we're desiring, what we're looking to walk into as it relates to the new year. And so every year on New Year's Eve, we just take some time and we do three things. We look back, we look forward and we look up. Right? We look back at the last year and we look back at some of the words and we just, we just get a chance to reflect and we get on the board and you know, or we pull out a tear down sheet and we just write down all the different experiences things just in this practice and gratefulness because oftentimes we can get to this time and like if God is doing something right now we do we're excited but if he's not doing we forgot all of his grace and his mercy throughout the year and so we just sit up and we just write on things and we're just throwing up different things and celebrating and just praising the Lord and celebrating all that he was that because oftentimes we need to remind ourselves that God is alive and active Right. He's alive and active today in the same way he was yesterday and in the past. And so and it's always a refreshing time. It's always a time that we get a chance. So we look back. But then not. And then we also look back at our words from last year. Last year, my words were focused intentions. Right. Focused intention. Those were my words that I had, you know, especially last year, I was asking the Lord for a few things, three things in specifically. I was asking God for, you know, and I, um, for, for God to just help to. Replenish my heart to re, to give me some rest to bring about restoration, right? I just really just that I want to focus that that God the, the goal was that I want to be present with the Lord. I want to be present, um, kind of in the moment. But you know, and so as we began to look forward, we looked at the words and we talk about the words a little bit, but then we also look forward to the words to come. And these words are meant to be used as a guide for us through the year or through even, you know, this time. These words are meant to kind of help us remain focused. We are reminded of these words um, throughout the year, but and we just spend some time. But then after we create those words, basically we start and we end that time with trying to ground those words in scripture. So every year we'll take the word that we have and we we root it in a scripture and a verse that is um, that's reminded in us and so last year we kind of went through the words this year we had that time yesterday we got a chance to talk and remind ourselves but then um, you know I decided this year I was just like hey we're gonna create some new words and so I created words for myself and everybody individually had their own word but I also created word for our family right and the word for our family this year is leadership right and this is a reminder for us when we talk about being a leader in leadership because if I, you ask any of one of my kids what's the definition of leadership they would say taking initiative for the benefit of others or proactively meeting the needs of others, right? We're just talking about what does it look like for us to be leaders and to embody leadership that, 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 that the very core of the gospel is about Christ proactively taking initiative for the benefit of you and me that he took on flesh for our. And so Christ was the ultimate leader. And so that's our word um, for this. And so is leadership. But not only did I do it for myself, my words for this one is um, I, I want to stay in kind of the realm and it's cultivating res- restoration, <laughs> cultivating restoration, Stop hearing, cultivating restoration, leadership for the family. And the and the word, word the don't And that one word for us over these next 90 days is the word rooted, rooted. And I think this is, you know, good for us. Because the, in, in the book of Psalms it tells us, "Blessed is the man who stands not in the path of sinners, or stands in the sinners' for none sits." But blessed is the man who is rooted, who plants himself. You know, and it talks about all the different seasons and the various seasons. It, like it produces fruit in its season. But the goal of it is, is that it is rooted. And see, most of us, when we talk about our spiritual life, what ends up happening with, when it comes to walking with God and walking with Christ, it's sort of like we, are, we, we don't stay rooted next to the river. But if I were to have a picture, like our picture of our spiritual journey is more like we, we kind of set up ground in kind of the desert. We kind of set up grounds kind of in the place that we desire. And then every single day or every single, or when times get dry, we'll go to the pond and get water, and then we walk back. And then we keep going back and forth instead of what the Bible tells us is to stay rooted. You know, John chapter 15 talks about this word that is oftentimes that brings about this idea of rooted is the word abide, which means ultimately abiding, renovate, or to, um, to minnow, to kind of stay connected to. And I really believe that the goal of the Christian primarily is to stay rooted in Christ. And this is the reason why the Bible talks about our goals is are the fruit of the spirit. And we recognize that the fruit of the spirit comes by staying connected to the vine. Staying connected to the vine. And so as, I, as we started thinking about it, as Pastor Carly and I started kind of dreaming and thinking about this year, we started saying, like, what does it look like for us to be rooted what does it look like for us to practice the disciplines and the devotions that will help you and I to develop and cultivate a deeper relationship with God? And so ultimately, we're going to take these next 12 weeks and we're going to um, walk through these passages, um, walk through some v- variety of different passages. And, um, and, for, and if you are a city group leader, that we are, this is the book that is kind of helping us kind of outline. It's a book by Donald Whitney, and the book is called Spiritual Disciplines for a Christian life. And we're going to use this as a guide. We're going to use this as a guide to kind of help us throughout the year or throughout this next 12 weeks to help shape the topic or the subject. And so when it talks about 12 spiritual disciplines that we are to be rooted in and so it goes all the way from bible intake to prayer to worship evangelism um serving stewardship fasting silence solitude right it goes a variety of different things and while we believe that spiritual disciplines are both personal and interpersonal what we've decided for this series is that we're going to focus primarily in on our personal disciplines that that for your We talk a lot about being in the church is not like family, that we are a family. We talk a lot about being connected to one another. We talk a lot about being in a relationship. But what we wanted to do is to take these 12 weeks to talk about what does it look like for us to stay connected, to abide with our Savior, abide um, in the presence of of the Holy Spirit. And so this is where we're going. So let me give you a definition for this idea of spiritual disciplines. And then we'll jump into the text. Spiritual disciplines, and this is the way I'm defining this, spiritual disciplines are biblically-based habits that seek to cultivate a heart that pursues God above all else. So this is the definition I'm working with today. Spiritual disciplines are biblically-based habits that help or that seek to cultivate a heart that pursues God above all else. Let's go before the Lord one more time and then we'll open up the text. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for the grace that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father, for thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray, God, for the next few weeks that we will have the opportunity to cultivate, Father, a heart that pursues you above all else. Father, this is our hearts. This is our desire to come to you, Father, in spirit and in truth. And so, Father, I pray as we walk through this, both in Sunday and we walk through this on, in our City Group, and even in our personal lives, Lord, we, Father, would honor you because you are worthy. You are worthy of the praise. So, Father, be with us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just to be clear, again, if you are a city group leader at the end, Dugan is going to be in the back. We want you to collect one of these books. And if you are a part of a city group, it'd be good if you wanted to you know, pick up a book. We we'll probably have some books throughout the, the series that you can pick up, but you can also go and pick one up to purchase because it will be what we're going to be using to help kind of guide this series as we are rooted in the scriptures, that was rooted in the text. So. Spiritual disciplines are biblically-based habits that seek to cultivate a heart that pursues God above all else. That is kind of the underlying work that we have. Basically, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, 37 through 47, to kind of outline this thing. And if you have your Bible, and if you're looking at your Bible, what I want you to do is to put four words down, right, beside in the the margin of the text. The first one, from 37 to 42, I want you to, in the margins, put the word true, true. Right. And then on verse 42 and 42 alone, I want you to put right beside that word, right beside that verse. I want you to put the word biblical, biblical. And Now, from verses 43 down to 46, I want you to put the word authentic. And then lastly, in verse 47, I want you to put the word purposeful purposeful that when we talk about spiritual disciplines that we got to understand that true spiritual disciplines are true biblical authentic and purposeful right that there is an aim to where we're trying to go that we're not doing it just to be doing it we are doing it for a purpose first timothy chapter 4 7 says this, this idea of discipline means um is where we get Gymnasium, or a training, or exercise—that word means that we are training ourselves for the Bible says in verse seven, for First Timothy four and seven, for godliness. We are training ourselves for godliness for the purpose of being closer to Christ and being conformed into the image of of Him. Right. So what does that look like for us? Spiritual disciplines are the means in which God uses to help us to cultivate um, the cultivate a heart that pursues him above all else. And so right here, we're going to see in verse 37 through 41. Let me reread it, even though it was read. It says this. When they heard of this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, And the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? So right here, what's going on in the text is that if you were to look in Acts chapter two, they were waiting on the power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them to to wait. Jesus told them to be disciplined because he says when the, the spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in Acts chapter 1 and 8, in the midst of all these things that the disciples had these goals and these plans and these desires, it was like, God, is it time for you to set up shop for us and for Israel now to run shop and run things? And Jesus was like, no, that's not the type of power I'm going to give you. But I will give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that power will be for you to be my witnesses. But what I need you to do is I need you to wait. I need you to wait, right? And so right here that we see this this introduction of what kind of the spiritual discipline. Now, waiting, there's nothing magical about waiting. There's nothing magical about waiting, but it's about who called us to wait and what we're receiving because of the way he says, wait and you will receive power. And that power will be so that you can be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And so this is taking place. The spirit comes, but it never comes like we want it to come. The spirit comes in a way. The Holy Spirit falls down. People are speaking in tongues. And then like this, like it's in the midst of like this huge festival, huge gathering that's taking place. The people who were like outsiders, it's like, man, these people are drunk. What's happening Right. And then Peter gets up and he begins to explain, no, they're not drunk. But what's happening is that God, as he has told us all the way since the book of Amos and since the book of Job, that he will pour down his spirit on all people. Right. On all people. And when they will, they will prophesy and they will speak and they will praise all of these things. And so All that was prophesied from a long time ago is now being fulfilled right now in this season. And then he basically and what we see is that this is now the response, the response of this message. They said when they heard this, they were pierced, pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? All right. He's here. What happens now? Peter replied. And this is what we talk about. What what does it mean to be? If we're gonna practice spiritual disciplines, what does it mean to be true? He says, repent and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the forgiveness of sins. And here's the first thing, here's the first point that I want us to, to gather. Spiritual disciplines starts with a repentance that leads to surrendering to the spirit. Spiritual discipline starts with a repentance that leads to surrendering to the spirit right here in this text what we see is that we have the crucified savior who has been raised and that he says that when i go i will send you another i will send you the spirit and so after the gospel message is preached by peter That he preaches about the person and work of our Savior that has been raised and that has now sent out his spirit and the spirit comes um, down and that these people are now filled with the spirit. We see this idea um, of spiritual distance and he says, what should we do? Peter responds with repent, repent. Right. And when we talk about this idea of repentance, I think it's really important because the word repent simply means to change. Change. It comes from the Greek word metanoia, which simply means to change, change the way we see God. You see, because right here, what, what it is is that this that this festival that was going on, this was called Pentecost. So this was Pentecost was a time that every 50 years that they would uh, every year they would come on the 50th day, I'm sorry, on the 50th day of of the time, and they would come on that and they would celebrate. There would be this big festival. So all the religious people, all the cultural, cultural Jews, all the different people would come down and they would ride their horses and they would do all these things to come down to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. But this Pentecost was like no other Pentecost. And so right here, Peter comes in and you have these religious people People who have made sacrifices to come to celebrate Pentecost from all over. They came to Jerusalem and the first thing that he tells them, he says, repent, repent. And see, it's it's repent in the same way that God calls his early disciples to repent. He says, listen, change the way that you see the kingdom of heaven. Change the way you see the good news and specifically change the way you see you see Jesus. Because if you were if you are reminded that this was the same Pentecost that 50 days earlier, or the same people that 50 days earlier were saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And so how are we now we have it. We're into this time, and the first thing that he says is repent. It's not just simply repent from the bad that you've done it's about repenting change the way you see God you see most of our sin and most of our troubles and most of the things that we have is not about simply we do bad things it's about the way we see who God is and so part of it is is that he's calling us to change so part of our prayer if are going to practice the disciplines is the first change the way we see Jesus that we would sing the song in our hearts when we talk about open the eyes of our hearts that he tells us to repent you see because the repentance that he says is that there's but then what I love is towards the end of that that section when it talks about he says repent and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit why is that significant why does why is it important to talk about a repentance that leads to a surrendering To the Holy Spirit. It is important for us to recognize this because, right, we're not just talking about like saying I'm sorry for the things that we've done, go create a laundry list, but we're talking about changing the way that leads to God. I've tried to do it my way. Of doing it my way. You see, you gotta understand, and I don't know, and I I talked to even my family yesterday. You have to realize that, you know, for many of us, and I'll just speak for me, for me, COVID did a number on me. COVID did a number. And I think it's things that, you know, that all the way since 20, for us, it was 2019 at the end of 2019. But even the, throughout the year, like there's been so much change, so much transition. And, you know, that if you've been at this church, there's been so much hurt, so much pain, so much that has happened over these last couple of years. And ultimately what happens is, is that when, when COVID hit been, happened, what we recognize is that was that we're not in control. You see, we had an illusion that thought that we were in control things, that we were in control. But what we thought was a two-week pandemic ended up being two years later. And even to this day, we still have people wearing masks and new variants and new things. And now we recognize that we're not as, as much in control as we thought. You see, but what happens is when we go into control, when we lose control or the imagination that we're in control, control what we do is that we go into anxiousness and anxiety start having you know we start trying to control things we start recognizing that we're that we're limited right and it's in that that we that things start happening and so and when that happens you and I are naturally do is that our biology takes takes place if we don't change the way we see God that he's more powerful than when we thought what we will do is that if he's not looking out for us then I gotta look out for myself Uh, And what happens is is that you shift and you start going into survival mode. And when you go into survival mode, you start doing by any means necessary. And let me just say, survival mode is not bad. It's just surviving. But right here, what Jesus is saying is he's inviting us. He says, hey, no longer have to be in surviving mode. And he is, a, he is an invitation, but this invitation comes with the with, the, with the, um, the entry fee is repent, change, change the way you see me. The problem is that you have too little of a view of me. Change. And when you change, I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that I give. Right. Why is it impo- important for us to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? The other day, I got a chance to, you know, to go and see the Lakers. I'm a huge Laker fan. So got, they came here to see the Hawks. I cheer for the Hawks every other game except for the Lakers. But I was at the Lakers game and it was LeBron. LeBron came in and, you know, and he got it. You know, basically LeBron went for 37 points and they ended up winning the game. Was it 47? 40- Okay, I I don't know about that, <laughs> but he ran, okay went for 47. That would make the story even better. Out so, a lot of points. But what was happening? Let's just imagine LeBron James comes down, and LeBron James basically says, "Hey man, hey," and he, he got some time with you. I got some time with me, and he was, "Hey man, let me just tell you how I got that 47. This is what I did, and I went in, and I did that turnaround jump shot, and I just did this, and I just and I jumped, and I." And he gave you, and it was perfect and perfect, laid it out, great. All the stuff. Go, go get me 47 in the next, next game. Would that be helpful? To, that he's giving you all the teaching, all the things that he has. That, that's just not going to help you to get 47. You may not still not even get a point. Right? In an NBA game playing it's the best in the world you may not get a point. So it's not enough just to hear the teachings or even to see it modeled, right? You see, hypothetically, and let me just, you know, for a minute, hypothetically, what LeBron James would have to do is LeBron James would have to die, and then LeBron James would have to send his spirit to you, and then LeBron James would have to now give you the spirit to be able to pull off the 47 points because simply understanding and the knowledge of how to do it is not enough. You need the power of LeBron's spirit to empower you to do this. And so when Jesus is basically saying is, listen, it's not enough just about to hear the gospel. It's not enough just even to believe the gospel. Part of the understanding it is being able to receive the power and the presence of the Spirit of God who I'm sending you to do what you desire to do but you can't do in your flesh you can't do on your own but my spirit can do with you but that only comes through repentance and this is why when the text says repent and be baptized That idea of when you repent, you first change the way you see God and then you are baptized. What is baptism? Baptism is a remembrance of what Christ did. And what is happening to you spiritually is that Christ died and died with Christ. And in the same way, Christ, you were raised. In that resurrected body, you are now empowered by the spirit. So early on, basically, when we talk about this idea, part of us needs to have have to reboot. We have to shake up the etch a sketch. And we gotta reboot change the way we see what we're doing. We have to go about it in a different way. We gotta change, we gotta repent and be reminded of our baptism. So that we can surrender to the Holy Spirit. And so the first thing that he says is that the Holy Spirit, that if we're going to truly, truly have practiced the spiritual disciplines, that we first have to change the way we see God, the way we see him. The Bible tells us lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. We have to change the way we see You see, but then he talks about. So first we see that this idea that what the, the spiritual discipline starts with repentance that leads to a surrendering of the Holy Spirit. Right. But the other thing that we see is that the second point is that spiritual disciplines are biblically based habits. Spiritual disciplines are biblically based habits that changes both our actions and our attitudes. Right. So. We see this. And so what happens is that in the text, they tells us after we go through 46, verse 42, um, 46, and it says 3000 people were saved in, in verse 42. I'm sorry, in 41 in verse 42. They said they talk about they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and to prayer. And so we see this idea of there it goes and there it inserts these biblically based habits, right? And these habits are there to help change both our attitudes and our actions. First, when we see this word is that they, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. That word devoted simply means to give yourself fully, to give yourself fully. So right here, what the Bible says is like, like this idea of devotion is that they gave themselves fully. And as we see these lists of these habits that we have, we got to understand that part of it is, is the giving of them, a giving of oneself to these biblically based. Habits. And so what do we see? What are these biblically based habits that we that we talk about? These biblically based habits are habits that are modeled, that we see modeled in Scripture. So here we are. We have a group of people who just came to know the Lord, who have been filled with the spirit. And now they begin to want to walk with Jesus. They want more than just an experience, a camp experience. They want to walk with him. And so they say what they do is that they give themselves over to one, to the apostles teaching. Right. They, they give themselves over to the, the fellowship. They give themselves over to the breaking of bread in remembrance of Christ. They give themselves over to the prayer. Right. And if you were just to look at these, basically, you see that these practices are, are, are ultimately about looking up to God. And there's their communication. There's a sending and a receiving that there's a a sitting at the feet of Jesus or sitting at the feet of the apostles. And they're just saying, hey, tell me that story again when Jesus walked on water. Tell me that story again. And that they had it. It wasn't just this formal thing that's like, spend 15 minutes a day. Or, no, but there was apostles that would come and they would be reminded of the, the experiences and the events. And they were talking about what Jesus was and who he was in the time that he revealed himself as king. In the time that they were on the mountain. And, you know, and they were questioning whether or not who Jesus was. In the time they doubted. In and, and the time that he fed 5,000. and the time that he fed 4,000. And every day they were just reminding them. And they, in, in the people of God were just sitting at their feet, listening, hearing, right? And so when, as we talk about it, as we go through these spiritual disciplines, I pray that that is the posture that we take. That it's not that we're not talking about disciplines for discipline's sake. We're not talking about just doing these things and just reading your Bible so that you can say that you've read your Bible, We're not talking about praying so that you can say that you prayed or fasting so that you can say that you fasted or doing anything just to say that you can do it. We're talking about sitting at the feet of the words of Jesus and hearing him. Asking God if there's anything that's keeping me from receiving your word and allowing that truth to be planted in my heart. Father, take that away from me. Help me to sit at your feet. So they said they devoted themselves. That, like, like Peter said in John chapter 6, it's like, listen, God, like your words I don't get. I don't understand. You're talking about drinking blood and eating flesh. I don't get all those things. But there's nowhere else to go. I'm committed. I'm all in. I'm sitting at your feet. I'm sitting at the feet because I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I don't want to just be good at Bible trivia. I want to hear from you, God. I want to I want to experience you. So they sat at the feet of the apostles. They 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 they, but they didn't sit at the feet alone. They sat at the feet together in fellowship. Right. And so when we talk about this idea of fellowship means the idea of partnership to that when we come together, that there is no doubt of the reasons why we are coming together. Too many of our opportunities, too many of our fellowships is that we have to like Jesus has to kind of break into our time instead of Jesus being the reason. But what we see is that these people came together to sit at his feet. These people came together because they wanted to come together primarily to hear about Christ. For the purpose of Christ, they came together to remember Him. That's what the idea of breaking of bread, the concept of the concept of we're, that we're coming together to remember Him, we're coming together to worship Him. That we're going to spend some time later today, and we're going to take some time to take to take some communion. But you see, at that time, prayer wasn't just reduced to a thing that you did for twenty seconds right before. That when they got together as a family, that this was the time that they will be reminded that God is a good God, he's a giver of gifts, and that he takes something, this deep satiation, this deep hunger that we have inside and he feeds us, and that food is a reminder. And this is why the Bible says, there I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens the door that I come in and I will sup with him and he with me, that we see this idea of what food, food is a gospel reminder. That it reminds us that, and so they got together for the remembering of God's presence, the breaking of bread, and they got together to pray. That is, again, the sending and the receiving, that it's the idea that we get to sit at the feet and to hear from Jesus, but we also get to speak to Jesus. And God's hearing us is not based upon how well we did or how well we didn't do. This past year or how well we kept our word, or how well we didn't keep our word or how good we were at the resolution, how bad we did at the resolution. What it is based upon is the finished work of Jesus. The gospel. And so we get together and we get to bend God's ear. And so we see that these are spiritually, spiritual disciplines are biblically based habits that changes our attitudes and actions towards God. Right. And, and what I love about this is that when we recognize and I've already said there's nothing magical about waiting. Every human being has to practice weight. Every human being, I guarantee, has some form of prayer life. Every human being worships something. You, you go to the game and you can see like Lakers, Laker fans were deep. Right. Every human being. Right. Has this idea of coming together for to break and bread together with people for whatever purpose. Like we all they all do it. Every human. There's nothing explicitly Christian about praying. There's nothing explicitly Christian about worship. There's nothing explicitly Christian about any of the disciplines that we're going to talk about, because it's not about the discipline. It's about the person in which we are cultivating the discipline form, right? I love my wife and everybody, listen, I go and there's sometimes we do date nights and we do date nights regularly and routinely, but we also recognize that the date night is not a mean, an end in itself. It just provides a platform to actually get to the ultimate prize and that's relationship with my spouse relationship with my bride. And so we see that these are biblically based habits that change both our actions and our attitudes that are that are there. And so in here, what I love about the scriptures that after he talks about there, you know, we talk about true, they're biblically based habits, but then they're authentic. They're authentic. 43 to 46. When we see this, that we see these words, these these words that is real easy that you can overlook that it says every day every day and everyone, everyone was filled and every day they devoted, everyone and every day that this is not something that I can meet with Jesus like Angie can't meet with Jesus on behalf of me. My grandmother can't meet with Jesus on behalf of me. That this is, that this is something that every individual has the responsibility to spend time with Jesus. Every individual takes on the responsibility of what that devotion looks like. It says every day they devoted. When we recognize this is that spiritual disciplines are just simply activities. They're activities, but they're activities that done in the right way can cultivate a right heart applied to the right individual. And so when we talk about this idea of being, having spiritual disciplines and being connected with Jesus, we're talking about cultivating that, cultivating that idea. And so he tells us every day they devoted. Why, do we, why is it important for us every day to remember, to do these daily disciplines? It's important for us to remember because the problem of the human heart. Do you understand that the human heart is an idol factory? We just constantly cultivate new idols. Right. Some of us are giving up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. Guess what's going to happen. If you don't replace it with Jesus, it's just something else that's going to fill its place. Right? This is going to fill its place. That's why the Bible is, says like, oh, you only want half the battle if you stop doing stuff. The Bible says flee temptation, but it doesn't just stop there. The Bible also tells us to pursue righteousness. Right. And so when we talk about the reason why we don't just stop, but we also pursue, we also seek, right, is because we are trying to cultivate those habits, those habits that remind us. So this is the reason why we give of our first fruits. We give of our time, the first of our time, the first of our talent, the first of our treasures. The reason why we give the first 10%, right? Not to say that the rest of the 90% is ours. We give the first 10% to remind ourselves that 100% of it's God's. We give up the first part of our day, not to say that we're good with God, that I spent my quiet time. We give the first day to remind ourselves that all of this day is God's. And so we are cultivating, we are reminding ourselves. And so what what the, what the Bible says that these early Christians, what kept them from falling back and slipping back to their old patterns and lifestyle is that they built in the discipline of every day. Of every day devoting. Themselves fully giving themselves over. They devoted themselves, right, to keep up the weeds of a crowded heart. The things that crowds up your heart and the things, the money, the pleasures, the the things that become in contradiction to the way what Jesus calls us. And it says every day they devoted themselves. And what was the response? Everyone was filled with awe. That word filled in the Bible is ideas to be filled with the spirit or to be filled with awe, to be filled with alcohol or, you know, is the idea of to be controlled. And so the reason why each and every day that they sat at the feet of Jesus and they got together in the fellowship and they they spent time in prayer is because they wanted to keep the awe of the Savior. They wanted to do what the first command was. They wanted to repent. You see, the Christian life is marked with repentance. It's marked with us constantly changing about who God is and who we are. And it says everyone was filled with it. Everyone was devoted. They, every day, they devoted themselves to it. That it was both about doing and it was about being. They were both activities, but there was activities that changed our attitudes, right? Remember that the reason why we practice our spiritual disciplines is that we want to cultivate a heart that pursues God above all else. That's our desire. So every day they devote it. And just I've said this before and I'll just say it one more time. Whenever you begin to practice spiritual disciplines, that you ought to be reminded that spiritual disciplines is not a sign of strength. It's actually an admission of weakness. The reason why we discipline ourselves is not to show that we're strong, it's to remind ourselves that we're weak and that if we don't do these daily habits, we'll find ourselves doing the things that we don't wanna do. Practicing the things that we don't wanna practice. We find ourselves being and ultimately, I guarantee you that most of our waywardness starts with a lack of just the daily disciplines. Too many of us as Christians have a spring cleaning mentality. We kind of like let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Oh, my God, I'm too far from God. And then we spring clean. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. And then we get far from God and then we spring clean. And we try to do this and we just keep going through this cycle. Instead of just saying what God is saying, no, cultivate daily, every day, everyone be filled with all. Right, practice these daily habits, and these—they don't. There's nothing magical about the habits, but these habits remind you of our purpose. Right, the disciplines are not a sign of strength; they're an admission of weakness. Weakness towards what? And finally, what the goal is—the goal. Verse forty-seven: True, biblical, authentic. What's the purpose? The purpose. I love how this passage in, it says in the verse 46, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved every day. This just what we said. Spirit, like the goal of spiritual disciplines is to enjoy developing a deeper relationship with Christ and his church. The goal of spiritual disciplines is for us to develop a deeper relationship. That when we say Christianity is not about a religion, it's not about even doing these spiritual disciplines, but it's the goal is a relationship. And so when we talk about relationship and and as we go over these next 12 weeks, we're asking for you to cultivate a relationship. And we're focusing primarily on your relationship with Jesus through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. That we want to cultivate these habits, that this is our goal, that it's not the spiritual disciplines are not the means to an end. There are the means to an end. They're not the end themselves. So it's not just about doing the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines could be practiced both individually and collectively, but the goal is ultimately a greater relationship with Christ. The spiritual disciplines ultimately, if you don't hear anything else, is about being with Christ. It's about being with Christ. And as we conclude this verse in Acts chapter 413, just talked about in of this, the apostles modeling disciplines, and the apostles not leaning and depending on anything but this idea of being with Christ. You see, the, Peter and John went in, in chapter 4, he, they go in into the most religious of the religious in that time, and they begin to proclaim Jesus to them. And after they proclaimed Jesus, they told them to leave, and they began to discuss amongst one another. And this is what their observation. These are non-believers. These are the religious, the religious of their day. These are what the professional, the professionals of their day. And they said this in verse 413, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, And untrained men. What I love about this is that they were both uneducated and untrained men. That these were men that did not depend upon how disciplined their studies were. They didn't depend upon their seminary education. They didn't depend upon their Bible study. They didn't depend on all these things. All those were means to the end. They were uneducated, untrained men. But here it is. But they were amazed. These religious people were amazed. Why? Because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Yes. Blueprint. My prayer for us as the church when we talk about being rooted is that not that we become Bible scholars, not that we even, you know, that we become just the greatest, most disciplined church in Atlanta, not that we spend even Hours and hours and hours of prayer, not that we read our Bible for hours, not that we read the Bible in a year, not that we like whatever disciplines and all those are good. I'm not saying any of those are bad, but that's not the goal It's just accomplishing our disciplines. The goal is that we would allow these disciplines to remind us of the primary goal. The primary reason why we do all these things is that we will be with Jesus And that if 2023 is not marked with anything, it's marked with that. It's marked with being with Jesus and that we would fight to constantly cultivate our heart to pursue God above all else. And so as we go through these next 12 weeks and as we begin to practice and talk about the disciplines, Pray, I pray that you will always have that end in mind that everything that we're talking about, Bible study and prayer and fasting and you know, all the silence and solitude, all the things that we talk about, that we will be reminded it's about being with Jesus. It would be about Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are biblically based habits that help us to cultivate a heart to pursue God above all else. We're going to take some time to kind of seal this moment, and we're gonna take some communion. And really communion is just another, it's a, it's a discipline, it's a practice that we do. There's, you know, it's a lot smaller than the cups that they were drinking out back then. The bread is not as flavorful <laughs> that we have. But again, all the communion is, is a reminder. This is a reminder that we are his that we're his, and that for those of us that have proclaimed the name of Jesus, that this is our declaration. And I just pray that if this is not you at this moment in this time, that we just, you know, just pass it on to the next person. That If you are not a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that this is not a time. Don't, we don't want you to, to be a hypocrite. We don't want you to do anything. But if you are not, I pray that you would come and talk to us at the end. You would come talk to me that you desire for this relationship to be with Jesus, that you desire to cultivate what it's like to walk with him, to be present with him. You see, because throughout the scriptures, we see this call to break bread, this call to remember the person and work of our savior. And it's not just for the sake of remembering, but it's for the sake of knowing and abiding and being with him. So as we kick off this new year, I pray that we would do this in remembrance of him. So I'll come back and we'll take some time and we'll take the, them together. But let's just take some time to reflect about who he is.